I have no respect for any person who thinks that moves are a good product. Wow. <laughs> this is awful. Ariel, it's not that hard to tie your shoes. No. Have some self-respect and tie your Get some dang shoes. It's not about that, John. It's it the is fact about that, that. They found an everyday thing that someone already buys, and they're able to sell essentially an add-on attachment that can literally be made cheaply. These are worse than Crocs. Oh, no, 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 no. Welcome to Another Bite, where we rewatch the most innovative and intriguing pitches from Shark Tank. I'm Jory, and I'm joined by Ariel. Hey, everyone. And John. How's it going? Today, we've got three products that will bring just a bit of tech to some age-old products. But first, let's make sure we're keeping the lights on. So first in the tank, we have CoinOut, and this comes from founder Jeff Witten, and he is asking for $250,000 for a 7.5% stake in his company. That is a $3.33 million valuation. His product is CoinOut, a solution for unwanted loose change. Let me see if I can try to describe this. So it's an app like Square where when you pay like a merchant, like say a coffee shop with cash, rather than getting cash back, you enter in your phone number and enter how much you would have gotten back. And then it adds that to an online account where you can later transfer it to a bank like Venmo, have it turned into an Amazon gift card, donate it to charity, or just redeem it into a participating store for a later purchase. Does that kind of satisfy what this product is, guys? Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty good recap. (laughs) But thinking about our product and the problem that our founder here is trying to solve, what are your initial thoughts? This is such a confusing set of trends that he's betting on here. I've never seen a product come into Shark Tank betting on a declining market Mm. before. Yeah. With like cash flow. It's like coming in and being like, I want to run a business based on pencils. Mm. Yeah. Or fax machines. It's like, I got an idea. How about gasoline cars? And people are like, what? What are you talking about? On the one hand, he's betting on a market that's declining. On the other, though, he is betting on tech adoption at restaurants and the mm-hmm. idea that he can just like streamline into that and that everybody is basically comfortable sharing their phone number at a restaurant and restaurants are comfortable installing technology at their restaurant. It's like a transitional technology, it feels like to me. And it maybe will get some traction for a little while, but it's really hard to imagine based on the decline in cash that it is going to actually be a long-term business. They'll probably have to pivot into something else. Yeah, I've seen too with like multiple retailers where if I have my card and I go up and pay for it at the checkout, they're like, oh, you get rewards points for this. And it's just tied to like my card number, which I found really interesting. And just from like a customer experience, there's much less steps, right? I think that was the biggest turnoff for me was just there's so many steps. So I just think from like a time perspective to get everyone on board, knowing what they're doing, getting the merchants on board, it's too much. Yeah, the marketing programs that credit card companies are putting out that he has to overcome are very high. Number one, he's got Visa largely putting out commercials that basically make fun of people who pay in cash and make it like socially taboo to actually pay in cash anymore. And then he's also got credit card companies that have created all sorts of incentives called Keep the Change, where like basically they're going to pay you to use the credit card now. And like you get paid extra change by the credit card company. So not only is he betting on a declining market, Mm -hmm. but he's going to try and build a two-sided marketplace. And two-sided marketplaces are really 
effing hard. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is he needs to both get restaurants to adopt the technology and he needs to get consumers to adopt the technology. So he's got to mobilize his business with two different audiences. It's hard. Other two-sided markets, eBay, Airbnb, Uber, like these are just hard, hard businesses, expensive businesses to run, especially if the network effects don't dampen the costs of mobilizing it. So he's betting on a declining market. He's trying to build a two-sided market. He's trying to do it in fintech, which is super complex and regulatory heavy. And he's trying to do it with restaurants, which are like completely and totally inundated by sales pitches. <laughs> if you stack all those up, you're like, wow, you are really going to have to persevere to overcome this. And as Kevin succinctly puts it, you're going to be crushed, right? Like, so the sharks are just not buying it from the get-go. What could make this work? The concept is there, right? No one likes change. No one likes to have their spare change. You either round up, you donate, you want to utilize it towards a gift card. And I was like, really, the only way I feel like this could work is if they sold essentially like this offering to franchises. So for example, like a Starbucks membership or a Dunkin' membership. So that way, when you do go in and you say, okay, I have 50 cents left over from Starbucks, I can just apply that to my general card that I can use in all these other places. But to your point, John, of the two-place marketplace of businesses and reaching out to the customer making sure that the consumer is educated just doesn't really seem to make the most sense. Yeah. If you can go to a coffee shop and say, we have a million people that use this app in your city mm -hmm. and this gives you benefit and them benefit. It's one of the reasons people will come and shop at your store, then restaurants will adopt it. It's just really hard to do. Do you think that this was software that the founder was ultimately like hoping he would just sell to one of the big players. It's really the software that's the value. So I think that's something that Mark had said where it was like really interesting as a concept to store all of this data based on a phone number. So do you think that that could have been one of the founder's plays here? Is it like the hope that some big player like Visa would buy them out? I don't necessarily think it's groundbreaking technology, though. Okay. Really, the only reason for the phone number is you just need a way to unify the backend data that you have around purchases and spends relative to who that customer is and creating a profile for them, right? Mm -hmm. So he's not necessarily creating something that is a new algorithm or something that's like new. It's no chat GBT. It is not. <laughs> <laughs> Cash GPT. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there is like a real pain as a restaurant owner about change in cash and like restaurants actually want to get out of cash. I always thought it was the opposite of that, which is they actually kind of liked cash because it was, uh, you know, a little more fungible. <laughs> like, <laughs> a little more under yeah. the table there, John. Yeah, you know, you don't have to always report. I, like, I don't want to say like, that. Give me the best seat that you have in this restaurant. I'm going to slip you a 20. <laughs> Maybe that is a real pain. He kind of was like, you all don't understand. This is like a real problem for coffee shops and these small mm -hmm. businesses is dealing with cash and cash management. And if that is the case, then yeah, maybe he solves a real problem. Uh, and I just don't understand it. Mm -hmm. I think restaurants get a lot of offers. Coffee shops get a lot of offers and they're always looking for things that differentiate them from the competition to the extent that they feel like this sets them apart somehow. I bet they can get some adoption on it. My guess is though, that the time to value needs to be very high for a restaurant. That makes sense. And it sounds like this product is very much still in that like, proof of concept stage, mm -hmm. which I thought actually opened up a really interesting conversation with the sharks. So like 
The owner comes in and is like, up until this point, you know, we've been in business four months, we've had 2,500 transactions, which when you think about it is like still a very small pool of people actually using this product. He had mentioned that he's like, oh, but don't worry, you know, like we're projected to make uh, 700 locations by the end of the year. And that's actually what caught Barbara's interest because she was like, you know, I think this is an interesting business. And if you can prove to me you can get it into 700 locations, I'll give you 250000 for 15%. But even though this founder was going toe-to-toe with the sharks, where I found him start to get a little bit on the shadier side <laughs> was when he almost went back on his like sense of how successful they would be to prove out this concept and called Barbara's offer untenable and was like, absolutely not. <laughs> which caused an offer to be withdrawn. I felt like that was a very huge tone shift on like, you don't believe you can hit that 700 number? Yeah, out of all the moves you make when you're pitching to the sharks, that's probably one I would not have taken. Yeah, it's hard because I know that there was some discussion on like whether or not cash is going away. What is this business actually? Like, is it a fintech provider to like manage change? Or is this a loyalty provider where they are trying to create some sort of loyalty reward service, Mm. basically like replicate a free coffee program, but online through a phone number like that to me becomes a really interesting value Mm. prop to a coffee shop because it keeps people coming back into their coffee shop. And so it contributes to their growth. Yeah. That's why I was surprised the sharks didn't try to push them in any other way. Usually you find that the sharks will be like, have you thought about this way? Have you tried Mm -hmm. looking at the technology angle? And seemed like very cut and dry for this pitch. That's a good point. They weren't trying to change the product or offer suggestions. They were just Mm kind of taking it at face value. Ultimately, though, after Barbara went out, we had an offer for Kevin, but let's just say because he said that likely this founder would be crushed like a cockroach, you know, (laughs) the founder wasn't feeling particularly like taking Kevin's deal. And ultimately, it was Robert that came in and made a deal for $250,000 for 15% with the condition that there was a successful pilot with a large retailer, which again, I felt was just like kind of a slap in the face to Barbara, who like basically (laughs) had had a similar deal, except it was like just using the numbers that were provided by the founder. Mm -hmm. Robert offered a very similar deal and that was somehow better. It's fine. Barbara's my favorite shark. That's a hill I will die on. But ultimately, (laughs) the founder was very happy with Robert and the deal was made. In 2021, the app grew to over 3 million scanned receipts per month. No. As of 2021 in June, they had $12 million in annual revenue. But in March 2021, the company was acquired by IRI Worldwide for an undisclosed amount. So Jeff has made his cash and cashed out on it. Coined out, baby. He's coined it out because he sold this company. I just did a Google search here. They pivoted their business model. Okay, wait. Give us the debrief. It's called Coin Out Rewards You with Great Rewards for Your Receipts from virtually any retailer for any product purchase. So what is loyalty? Which makes sense. They focused on one area and doubled down on it. Love that for them. Good for them. Cool. Next in the tank, we have All33, and that comes with founder Bing Howenstein. Bing comes to us asking $500,000 for 2.5%, which is a $20 million valuation, so you know (laughs) it's going to be a big hitter right out the gate. So All33 is a product that is the solution to our sedentary lifestyles. Sitting, you know, is the new smoking, which is not so great from us if you work from home. 
like me. And just ask Justin Bieber, who filmed a promotional video that we got the wonders of seeing. And you have this product solution, which is a chair that moves with you with its patented design that supports all of your vertebrae all day. The CEO is a friend of the inventor of the chair, but it is exactly what it sounds like. It is an office chair that allows you some mobility as you go about your work from home day. I'm just going to come out of the gates. The initial pitch with Justin Bieber definitely gave me a red flag. And here's why. There's nothing wrong with having like an influencer or a spokesperson talk about your product or your brand, right? But if you're going into a Shark Tank pitch and you're saying, hey, I need capital for a $20 million valuation and you have a mega influencer, it's like, okay, where have you spent all of the capital and investments that you've gotten until now? Was it into getting this talent? Because influencers are very expensive at that level. And for folks that aren't as familiar with influencer marketing, there's kind of like five different ways to think about your influencer. You can have your nano influencers which have up people. to like 10K followers and you want more of an organic word of mouth. They're nano. Yeah, they're very small. Yes, that's a nano. They're also tiny. Um, <laughs> then we have micro, which is oh. about like <laughs> slightly 50K. Bigger. Yeah, slightly <laughs> bigger, which is about up to 50K. Then you have more of your mid-tier, 500K. Macro is like a million. But for a celebrity, like that's a couple million dollars associated. Mm-hmm. So already, like that's why I was just taken aback by the 20 million valuation when I heard that. <laughs> I was also curious because it's like maybe I view Justin Bieber incorrectly, but I don't have an association with Justin Bieber and like chairs. He's not the audience. Yeah. Who were you trying to reach? That's why I was so confused with that targeting. I was like, what is Justin trying to say to us? Yeah. You're getting to a really interesting point here, which is that like, who is this product for? Mm -hmm. Is it for, for professionals? Is it for gamers or is it for people just hanging around at home? Right. Like, I actually think if this is a chair that they want to go to market with like gamers and people who like sit around, I bet Bieber's like a good, good influencer for that. Like, for gamers? Nah, you got to get a Twitch streamer. Ooh. I mean, you'll get Twitch streamers too, but I'm just saying, I don't see any reason that a celebrity can't win over people who want to use their chairs to sit around in front of their computer all day for leisure activities, you know? Sure, a celebrity can, but I mean, Justin Bieber, of all people. My guess is, Ariel, that they are not paying Justin Bieber. My guess is that Justin Bieber is an investor. Oh, good point. That would be my guess because lots of, like Ashton Kutcher, MC Hammer, uh, Justin Bieber, they're actually pretty prolific on the tech investing scene. Like they're out there a lot. Justin Bieber's been a like, quote, founder of companies. And so I think there are a number of celebrities who have decided they want to leverage their influence to basically win deals and build a portfolio Mm. of venture companies and try and use their influence to promote them. It's kind of like um, instead of the company just paying for them, they become equity holders. So my guess is actually they're not just like writing a check to Bieber. I bet he's on the cap table, which is why he did it. I think I really like the business and I think I would consider investing, but I'm very confused about it (laughs) because he came out and he was kind of like a little nerdy at the start. And then he was just like, I think I'm just going to smash this chair. And it was like, oh, like he like picked up a wooden chair and he smashed it on the ground like a wrestler. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and then he was like, check out Justin Bieber with no shirt on sitting in a chair. It was, it was just a lot. It was like, it was a roller coaster pitch yeah. for me. But that's why Barbara called him like a sales rep. He was like, what are the three major ways that I can sell yeah. this? Mm-hmm. Also, can we talk about the fact that he only owns 5% of the company. This isn't the first time where we've seen founders come onto the show and they maybe own like regional rights or not full 100% or not even inventing their own product. But the fact that it was only 5%, I think for Barbara's like comment around the salesperson, like she's not entirely wrong in this instance. 
I think he got too sensitive by that comment, if I'm being honest. Yeah, you got to get the inventor out there. The inventor needed yeah. to come out and be right. like, here's why I invented this. Here's the story. So they tried to pitch them on, this is a great business. Problem is, it's not a great business. It's an okay business. Instead of saying, this is a great story mm-hmm. that could become a great business. And so I think that was kind of the problem. Yeah, and he was alluding to the investor being like a doctor. So I was like, oh, are there medical benefits that you yeah. can bring out. That's exactly what I was going to say, right? Because it's just like, if the job to be done in the chair is like, it's going to fix this unhealthy habit that we now have because of the state of the world, then lean into those benefits. Right. You honestly don't even need Justin Bieber in this case. <laughs> even if you had the inventor like dig into some of the actual healthcare benefits, even mm-hmm. if there's not even clinical testing, like your name is all 33. So it's like, if your name is branded around the spine, talk yes. to me about the spine, not Justin Bieber with his shirt off. I don't know. If you got Bieber on the cap table, you put him on TV. That's what I'd say. <laughs> it's a big signaling effect. John That's a huge signaling effect. <laughs> but use the signaling for like digital marketing or amplification. Like why for like an opening pitch? You know, if you have limited resource time with that investor to showcase product. I'll play devil's advocate. Let's just say we were nine minutes into the negotiation and the CEO casually mentioned that Justin Bieber <laughs> is a supporter. We'd be like, what? How come you didn't? That's like critical information. If I was a shark, I would look at that and say, oh, they've got people with big audience. Hmm. They've got distribution already built into their business. And that is something that's really expensive to build. And that's a huge advantage. Mm -hmm. And I'd want to know about it. They didn't feature it as much as they probably could have. Yeah, that's fair. And Bieber did earn the company like a lot of earned media coverage, like after the episode aired. Mm -hmm. I just think that it didn't necessarily have to be part of the pitch because then it felt more like a clout play. Yeah. And I think that's what threw me off is it just started off with Justin Bieber. And I was like, well, what is this? Sizzle reel. Because (laughs) the most important audience, yes, it's on TV, but like in this moment is like selling to the sharks. So they invest in you. Mm -hmm. And like, I think by trying to appeal to the masses in multiple different ways, they lost that core narrative push of like why this is an awesome business. Because like, even as you mentioned, John, we leave the pitch with the assumption that it's an okay business, right? And we can dig into those numbers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're totally stuck in the middle on price point, right? They're in a market that's actually pretty well established. You either buy like really expensive chairs, Mm -hmm. really cheap chairs, or you get, you know, the cheap version of an expensive chair. And they're trying to compete at the cheap version of the expensive chair price point, Mm -hmm. but their margin just isn't that great. Mm -hmm. And so- I don't think they have a choice but to go direct to consumer digital, Hmm. given the costs, and they're barely profitable right now. Yeah, they said slightly profitable, (laughs) and like Barbara was just like shaking her head like, no. Barbara was not holding back this pitch. If they started going retail, that would take a huge chunk of the money as well, and they would be really unprofitable. So they have no choice but to go direct to consumer. So I'm just a little concerned that the business is not actually like particularly great. Yeah, because we didn't get any hard numbers on profits. Mm-hmm. I'm also concerned about seasonality, too. In 2020, we were all like scourging the internet for a desk and a chair, like looking on Wayfair, Amazon to see when it was backfilled. And the fact that it's 2021, like I wonder how much of this was, this is an industry that was inflated during 2020 and they're trying to capitalize on momentum that's not actually going to sustain. So we had some issues with this company, right? Barbara wasn't so convinced that this was anything other than a new design element. Mark was not interested in being in the chair business. The valuation, like, let us not forget, is $20 million. And while that was based on, like, growth projections, 
not all of the sharks were biting. So ultimately, actually, this was one of the instances where our founder got no offers on the table. Mm -hmm. Even Damon, for example, had like conflicts in his portfolio. (laughs) So ultimately, it was too over the board. And for that reason, everyone was out. Everyone was out. Yeah, in retrospect, they probably should have just been like, listen, this chair is both incredibly comfortable and incredibly good for you. Here's a doctor Mm -hmm. who can prove it. Here is a celebrity who loves it. And we are going to leverage the expertise of the doctor Mm -hmm. and the clout of the celebrity to just sell a ton of these. And we are going to win the following markets, right? We're going big on video gamers here. Those video gaming chairs that everyone's in, Mm -hmm. they're horrible for your back. They actually hurt a ton. So like, guess what? We're going to go hard at that. We've got a whole Twitch strategy. We're going that way. Like, If they went market by market and said, here's why we're going to win, I think there's a decent chance they would have gotten some offers. Yeah. Instead of just like, here's my chair. Here's a design. John, to do the marketing for them if they're still around. Ooh, so how would you market it then? I would lean into one really niche audience because everyone can use a chair, right, at the end of the day. And I do like, John, your point around like the gamer angle. I would lean in more towards influencers. So around like Twitch streamers that are like having this new chair, like in the background of their videos and just really have it be kind of more of like that organic kind of drip as opposed to like a pushed kind of concentrated effort. I think this is actually something I would let kind of like foster and kind of grow on its own over time and have it become a community favorite so that folks are sharing in their Discord chats. This is the most comfortable chair. Add a few different like color offerings and designs because when you look at gamer chairs, they are very much designed based off of like the color and the shape. So like make it, yeah, exactly. The vibe that you're trying to like achieve. So I would put a little more investment into the product kind of design and making it feel like these are actually like really unique, cool offerings and then really identifying what are those top few influencers to partner with. Yeah, this has got to be direct to consumer at the price point it's at. The idea that an HR department would give you a chair that could lead to carpal tunnel would be like a big no-no. So they like need assurances there. (laughs) And so that market's already won. And so you've kind of got to go direct to consumer. You've got to go to people and you've got to just find angles. All right. Well, as John might have foreshadowed, the company is definitely still around. So (laughs) in 2021, the company got some heavy hitting investments because there was Cindy Crawford, Bruce Willis, Tony Robbins, what? Tom Staggs of Disney, a bunch of celebrity investors kind of got on board the All 33. Mm. In July 2022, they actually launched another chair called the Axion, which is retailing for $999. But as of August 2022, they have $4 million in annual revenue. So still going strong and I think very much building out their audience still. I mean, the thing about those investors is like, just keep in mind, I don't think it's actually that hard to get celebrity investors. I think if you offer them a really attractive deal, I think celebrities will actually invest in lots of companies. Huh. Would you say celebrity investors are an easier threshold to cross than shark tank investors? Yes, because I would imagine that the type of deal that a celebrity gets is very different than what the sharks get. I think the sharks go out and attempt to do an actual valuation. And I feel like oftentimes founders give away equity to celebrities. Yeah, makes sense. Give them deals and the celebrities will come. That's my business takeaway. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, last in the tank, we have Moves. And Moves comes to us from Ryan Cruz, Eric Cruz, and Kevin Zamora. And this team is looking for a $200,000 investment for 15% stake in their company, which is a $1.3 million valuation. 
Their product is Moves, and it is solving the problem when, you know, it's really annoying when people keep their shoes on in the house. But then at the same time, it's so annoying when you need to go outside super quickly. No one's got Mm -hmm. time to tie your shoes or find your shoes. So enter Moves, which is the only footwear on the market with dual sole technology, which just really shakes out to, you know, slipper shoes that have a removable outsole. So you kind of like click in to these outsoles when you're ready to head out and then you take them off as soon as you're at home and voila, you're in your house slippers. So thinking about our product and this very interesting take on the house slipper, what are your initial thoughts? I love everything about this. I think their valuation (laughs) is fair for what they were asking for. I think, look, they have a really large audience. Everyone needs like shoes. This is a common pain point that they have. They're literally making money off of a piece of plastic that is very cheap to produce, I'm sure. And I don't know. I just I'm the type of person who I'm very anti Crocs. So I know people that are like, I'll just slip on my Crocs when I go outside. (gasps) Thank you, Jory. They're comfortable. But like, I actually like this better. It's more fashionable. Yeah, it's like sleek. I have no respect for any person who thinks that moves are a good product. Wow. (laughs) This is awful. Ariel, it's not that hard to tie your shoes. No. Have some self-respect and tie your Get some dang slip-ons. shoes. It's not about that, John. It's it the is fact about that, that. They found an everyday thing that someone already buys, and they're able to sell essentially an add-on attachment that can literally be made cheaply. These are worse than Crocs. Oh, it's half no, a Croc. No, 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 no. They cut the top off a of Crocs, and instead, Ariel, of wearing a Croc, you now like click into a Croc bottom mm-hmm. with an ugly slipper top. It's awful. It's not. It's ugly. a Frankenstein. It is ugly. <laughs> it's horrible. Have you looked at like high fashion shoes lately? Like it's within kind yes. of a similar. Yes. So Jordan, we see those Yeezys, John. Yeah. We know what the slipper yeah. yeah. shoe looks like. <laughs> I would say the only reason I would consider investing in this company is that I don't personally seem to have any read on what the market for footwear actually is right now. I see people wearing slippers. I see people wearing Crocs. I see dudes wearing those awful like, hey dude shoes (laughs) that those were actually like acquired by Crocs. And Mm -hmm. I just look at all these people and I'm like, I clearly don't understand this market. And so it's possible this would be huge. I think this product should be thrown into an incinerator and burned because I think it is awful. I think people should wear good shoes. (laughs) For those reasons, I'm out. I don't know. I think there's something to be said with the fact that they had the majority of their sales come through e-commerce with zero marketing dollars and spend because you want to try on the shoes that you have first when you make like a big investment, right? $26 to make. You sell them for $130. Like, John. I can't believe anybody would pay that much money. I'm so confused. I don't understand this market at all. Maybe you're not the audience. Maybe I'm not the audience. This is what I said. That's the only reason I would consider investing is like, I just seem to like be the opposite of what I see out on the street all the time. Well, start off dissing us croc but do you wear house slippers yeah i have house sneakers i wear sneakers in the house you're the problem you are the problem no but i don't wear them outside i don't wear them outside they're specifically for in his house they're just for in the house because i need good support ariel you think those things have support how's this gonna do your foot health it's not marketed for foot health there's not any claims what about the foot health this is a major concern (laughs) you want to stand around all day You need good supportive shoes. What they're trying to solve, though, is like those quick trips outside, right? They're not trying to like be the all-in-one supportive shoe that you're trying on. It's like when you need to throw the trash out or walk the dog real quick. It's not meant to be like a sneaker. Check your mail, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. (laughs) No. So right now when you go out to take out your trash, let me just walk through this. You go up to your door, you take off your house sneakers, and then you put on another. I've got slip-on indoor shoes and slip-on outdoor shoes. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Vans. Have you heard of Vans? It's a company that makes slip-on <laughs> shoes. They're great. They're comfortable. Were they a thing from back in He's like Vans the 2000s or something? <laughs> Maybe I'm old. Maybe I just don't get it. No. I don't know. My sense is that the market for this shoe is mostly young men who are kind of dirty mm-hmm. and... My guess is that maybe they could sell a lot of these. And I think that like young people seem to be into the idea of wearing really ugly stuff. It seems to be like a thing right now based on what I see. Like, so maybe this would work. Fashionista, John. I love it. I will say their margins are incredible. Mm -hmm. They do have good momentum. So Ariel, to the point that it's like, hey, if you want to approach this from a beginner's mind perspective and just say like, is this a good business? I guess what I would probably say is it seems like people want to wear ugly things And it seems like they've gotten a lot of people to purchase these things already. And it seems like, you know, they make a lot of money on each one that they sell. So maybe it's a great business. I tell my boyfriend this all the time. Every time he puts on his Crocs because he's like, I'm 38 and my feet and blah, blah, blah. When you get older, you'll understand, blah, blah, blah. Every time he puts them on, I'm like, you have not looked more unattractive to me ever than when you are in your Crocs. I can't believe he keeps wearing oh, them. because he just does what he wants. That's what engineers do. But wow. like, I can't deal with the Crocs. I don't have Crocs. You don't? No, I'm self-respecting. I would never wear that crap. Oh, my gosh. So you literally come in with the hot takes saying no, I can't no Crocs. respect anyone. Yeah. No Crocs, no moves, no <laughs> hey dudes, none just of that basic crap. basic shoes. Just these. I want to wear nice shoes. Shoes that make me look good. So as a counterpoint, John, even Damon was like, as soon as he felt the product, he was like, this is cool as hell. And maybe it's just my perception of Damon. But when he says something's cool, I'm going to believe him. It's cool. It's cool. Damon approved. Yeah, listen. I've done the math and Damon is literally 314 times cooler than me. Like that's how much cooler he is than me. He is so dramatically cooler proven. than me. This is what I'm saying. I, I clearly don't get this market. I don't get this market. One other use case that I am going to throw out there, soul cycle and spin cycle, being able to have something clip on to the bottom of your like shoes that you have. That's something I struggled with for a long time. Mm-hmm. But I will say the soul cycle, like the biking shoes market is just a behemoth that I'm not sure that this could take on. Yeah. What about ice skates? Maybe they should pivot into ice skates, Ariel, <laughs> and then they could just be ice skate covers. <laughs> There's a line extension. I'm in. Let's have them bring back moon shoes. <laughs> I moon wanted shoes a extension. pair of moon shoes and I never got them. Maybe this is my way of feeling one step closer. As luck would have it, though, I feel like most of our sharks definitely are on the John side of this debate rather than uh, the Ariel side of this debate. Can't think outside the box. But you know, coolness factor does prevail because ultimately, Damon did seal a deal with these founders and with these shoes uh, for $200,000 for 25%. So, you know, they did have someone believing in their use case. Tell us how they're doing, Jory. Tell us how they're doing. (laughs) I'm so glad you asked, Ariel. So after airing, this company did $400,000 in sales immediately. Mm -hmm. During the pandemic, they donated $1 per sale to the World Health Organization. Look at that. And they also donated over 100 pairs to hospital workers in Jersey City, New Jersey. So I got so excited about this company, about this product. My husband's very pro you know, house slippers. So after watching this pitch, I went online and I was like so ready to buy a pair of these shoes, right? Yes. And I was was like credit card out, ready. And then I saw their Google reviews. (gasps) And I will say word of mouth marketing definitely worked against them in this case. They currently have a 3.4 on Google reviews and 
all of the recent reviews are one stars and they absolutely crush this product. I will say that it seems to be kind of like a joint problem. On one side, it seems this company really struggles with customer service. So when we talk about that delight factor of the flywheel, like this is where this company is experiencing a lot of friction. Mm -hmm. But then it does seem that the functionality is a little bit more clunky than people are expecting from their house slippers. So it is not as easy as just click in and walk. I went from like 100% ready to like negative 100% close the tab, never think about buying this again. So, you know, lesson to be learned is uh, be careful what your reviews say. (laughs) You can lose business that way. What an emotional journey. I was expecting it to be. They were a wild success, but even I I feel tired after going on that. Yeah. But that's the thing. Word of mouth is a double-edged sword. It's true. It can promote or detract. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we are at my favorite segment of the episode, and that is the awarding of the Golden Bite. So we have three products. We have Coin Out, we have All 33, and we have Moves. And we have been contentious about these three products. But you you have to choose one. You can't say none of them. You have to give one? You have to give one. You absolutely have to. You cannot opt out of this session. So Hmm. who are you giving your Golden Bite to? All right. I'm going to give my golden bite to all 33. Okay. Okay. No, because you're going to choose moves. I'm never going to choose moves for my golden bite. No, I'm not going to choose moves. I was going to choose How can you come out so hard for moves and then not give them your golden bite? I'm a very complicated person, John. Because. (laughs) You clearly are a very complicated person. I'm going all 33. I think they might actually have a product that is superior. They might have the type of celebrity buy-in that they could get really good distribution on it. And they had definitely a runway where they could really mobilize based on the fact that everybody needs really comfortable chairs to sit in at home all day. So I actually think they could turn all 33 into a really good and impressive business. And I hope they do. Hmm. Ariel, if not moves. (laughs) I'm going to go with Coin Out because I'm just really fascinated at how they made such a very complicated, clunky process into a successful business that then got acquired. I honestly didn't think Coin Out was still going to be around. And just given all the headwinds mm-hmm. that it had going into kind of the competitive space, really impressed by the fact they were able to kind of pull through. Totally fair. I think mine would also go to all 33 just because like, I think it's just a narrative problem. I think they could Mm. fix it. I would have said moves had I not searched for them online because I was like all in on that. Um, But now I have to go Mm. all in on all 33 just because that's like a real problem. And, you know, I've been looking for a a desk chair, so maybe I'll buy it. Yeah, Matt, can we get all 33 chairs? I'm a celebrity. Yeah, and they should have this rocket on them. <laughs> yeah, customized with a little like Shark Tank fin on the back. Yeah, we need licensing on all 33. All 33, <laughs> give us a consulting call. Anywho, that pretty much does it for this episode of Another Bite. Thank you, John. Thank you, Ariel. Today's episode was written and produced by the incomparable Matthew Brown. Additional support comes from Melanie Romero. If you like the show, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell everybody. Because I mean, I like hanging out with you. Do you like hanging out with me? What do you say, Barb? I'm out. Okay, rude. (laughs) You can follow and subscribe to the show wherever fine podcasts are found. That's everywhere, in case you're wondering. Every podcast player, we're there. That's it from me, for real this time. We'll see you next week in the tank for another bite.